The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'll be your host today. And we are launching our summer series where we um, where we debrief about different assembly and synod uh, reports that um, from different national level gatherings of uh, branches of Christ's church that generally meet over the summer. Today we'll be taking a look at the 213th stated meeting meeting of the General Synod of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, that is the ARP, uh, and that was held on June 6th through 8th at Bon Clarkin Retreat Center, which is the ARP's retreat center in Flat Rock, North Carolina. To help us debrief about uh, General Synod, uh, I have invited the Reverend Jeff Kingswood to call in and join us on the podcast. Jeff is not only an ARP minister, he's ministering at Grace ARP in, in Woodstock, Ontario, and he's been an ARP minister since 2001, originally ordained in 1988. But he's also the chairman of the board for Greenville Seminary, and he is a board member with the Banner of Truth Trust and an instructor in New Testament um, logic and uh, oral communication at the Gillespie Academy, which is a ministry of Grace ARP there in Woodstock. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Zach. So, Jeff... You know, just some basic uh, questions. I've laid out the dates, I've laid out the place, but, um, you know, how many churches are in the ARP today, and how many commissioners came to Synod that you know of? There are somewhere between 260 and 270 congregations and mission works in the denomination at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure the totals. I looked at last year's reports, and this year's will be slightly different, but somewhere in that neighborhood, 275. And there were over 400 uh, delegates to the synod, and that would probably be broken down into pro- somewhere in the neighborhood of, of a 60-40, uh, 60-40 minister-elder ratio. Um, it's always hard for elders to take that time off. It's a week off work for a lot of them, and uh, so... The, the elders tend to be underrepresented somewhat, but uh, not not too badly. 60-40 sounds like a pretty good split to my PCA years. Um, <laughs> so that, <laughs> yes. that's admirable. I commend those men for making the sacrifice to go. Now, when, when you all meet, I know there, the ARP has... Um, is it just fraternal? It might be more than fraternal relationships with the Presbyterian Church there in Pakistan and and other international um, branches of the ARP. Are they are they represented as well, or do they come as fraternal delegates usually? They come as fraternal delegates. There are two daughter synods that were birthed out of uh, ARP missionary work in the um, earlier part of the 20th century and. Um, covering really the 20th century. And those two synods are, are Mexico and Pakistan. And uh, they are now separate independent synods. Uh, they stand on their own. But we do continue to have relationships with them. And they, uh, if they are represented at synod, it's a fraternal relationship. 
Mm-hmm. Got it. So I I visited uh, the synod. Well, you know, because we saw each other, and we were able to speak for a bit there in the main house at Bun Clarkin. Uh, but right. I visited. Um, for just a just a morning, uh, the Wednesday morning of the synod, and it was pretty clear to me that there's something different about the ARP and about uh, the ARP's way of going about conducting business. But for the benefit of our listeners, can you share, as a seasoned churchman, uh, what you view as some of the distinctives about the ARP's way of conducting uh, their business at synod and interacting with each other when they gather together as a national church? Yeah, for the most part, I, I think our synod meetings are characterized by a, a real um, Christian fellowship. It's It was striking to me when I came into the ARP that every sederant, every session of the synod, so that's morning, uh, afternoon, and evening, is begun with uh, preaching, preaching from the Word, and, and not just a, a short devotional, but uh, a, a sermon. And this year we had testimonies uh, penned to those. So we spend between 40 to 50 minutes uh, at the beginning of each session in worship. And there's a warmth to the meetings. There's a frequent uh, pausing for prayer, prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of intercession. Uh, The moderator often calls different men from the floor to to pray for a situation or uh, if we're in a particularly thorny discussion that uh, someone is asked just to, to lead us in prayer. And... As I said, for the most part, there's a, a very warm spirit in our in our synod, and it's uh, characterized by a, a a fellowship in Christ. That even though we may disagree about some issues and, and disagree vehemently at times, uh, we're still brothers in Christ. And I, I don't know if that's 200 years of of experience um, of of trial and tribulation that sanctifies a denomination that way or whether it's the southerly uh, gentlemanliness, but it goes deeper than that. There is, there's definitely a um, collegial and, and Christian spirit there. It, it's a pleasure to be part of. I had picked up on that as well. It, it felt like a big family reunion in a lot of ways. Um, and, and even even Bun Clark in, as a retreat center has that feel since there's so many um, so many little homes right there on the retreat center campus. So it was a very pleasant, I mean, it was a beautiful day when I visited as well, but it was a very pleasant experience for me as an outsider to come in and to, to observe and, and share a meal with the brothers together and to see the, the, the really warm, warm, affectionate bonds of, of fraternal brotherhood and fellowship that, that you're describing. Now, you, you said that every session, every sederant um, began with um, a sermon and with testimony as well. Is that is that typical practice at the ARP's synod, or is that something that moderator um, Lee Shelnut uh, put together himself and organized for this year? No, that's typical. That, that's been the practice. The the testimonies were something new that uh, moderator Shelnut had added. He asked uh, several men to bring testimonies of how the Lord had worked uh, in just through the ordinary means in, in missions, in building up local congregations, in outreach efforts, just giving a different um, aspect of the Lord's work in, across our denomination. So that was different. But as long as I have been part of the ARP, the worship has been part of the opening um of each session, and that includes the singing of hymns and psalms and prayer, and and then a, a serious sermon. 
which really sets the tone for the meetings. It, uh, it reminds us of whose work we're doing and the way in which it ought to be done. Mm-hmm. Amen. I was going to say it's a good reminder of, of why you're there. You're not just there to go through the reports and to deal with uh, court cases like um, like a, just an organization would, but you're there to serve uh, the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and to proclaim his gospel. And I was reminded, keenly reminded of that while sitting there behind the commissioner's line, right? I was in the, the peanut gallery, so to speak. That's now, right. And, and just as a side note, Jeff, and for the benefit of our listeners, I'm, you know, I'm not uh, one who really has opportunity to sing uh, psalms a cappella in a large group all that often. We do it at family worship uh, frequently. We'll do either a psalm or a hymn in family worship. But to be in a, in a body of hundreds of people, mostly men, but men and women, singing, you know, Psalm 23b, and uh, <laughs> that was beautiful. And, um, and I won't soon forget it. In fact, you know, I'm hoping that next year I'll be able to spend more time um, more time at the ARP Synod and to, to worship with you all even more. Now, moving, moving into the actual business of, of the Synod, I, if you, for our listeners, if you go to the ARP website and you just Google Associate Reform Presbyterian Church General Synod or something like that, you can, you can actually get access to everything that the delegates had, almost everything that the delegates had in front of them in paper form um, as they were processing through reports and things. And so we don't need to go into you know, granular detail now, but can you give us a, 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 the 30,000-foot view of a play-by-play over those three days when you were meeting in terms of the business that the Synod uh, tended to and, um, and you know, the order in which you tended to it? Or just, you know, you don't have to do it in chronological order, Jeff. Right. And it's been a couple weeks, so just whatever comes to mind. Can you give us maybe the highlights of, of the Synod's business? Day one begins with a, a worship service. Uh, that is the the beginning of the synod at two o'clock on the Tuesday afternoon. We gather, we have worship. Part of that worship recognizes uh, ministers and elders who have died in the year past and uh, also a communion service. And that's uh, a high point in in the uh, work of the synod is that worship service. And then we get to the business. So Tuesday evening after supper, uh, we get to our moderators committees and, and do committee work and, and look at the memorials and recommendations from the various committees. And then Wednesday morning, we get down to business and following uh, a time of worship and uh, the uh, I should say we begin each morning with a, a psalm sing on the porch of the uh, dining hall. And uh, that's an a cappella psalm sing that's held every morning. But uh, then after the worship service, we, we get down to business and we hear from our fraternal delegates. Uh, those were spaced out. We used to do those in a group uh, in one session, but they were uh, spaced out throughout the synod this year, which I thought was helpful. Um, they didn't sort of just dissolve into an amorphous report, but uh, they were distinctive. And we heard um, from a number of our ecumenical partners, and uh, it was encouraging to hear the work the Lord is doing in the EPCEW in England and Wales and uh, the Free Church, the Free Church of Scotland. And I think 
the highlight of our ecumenical relations really was the invitation brought to us by Bruce Backenstow, a former moderator of the RPCNA, to uh, attend in 2019 a concurrent synod with them at uh, Geneva College in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. A couple of years ago, the RPCNA came down to Bon Clarken and we had a concurrent synod and they've now uh, returned the invitation and it was received without uh, dissent. It was a unanimous acceptance of that invitation. And that's a little bit out of our comfort zone. We're a Southern denomination by and large. And uh, to move up north of the Mason-Dixon line for a synod meeting, I think uh, some of us were wondering if it would come off, but uh, it was accepted, as I said, unanimously. So that was definitely a highlight. And then um, just the regular meetings that are the bread and butter of all uh, meetings like this. There, there's a certain sameness to every kind of synodical or, or general assembly uh, proceeding. But uh, that was a highlight, the the ecumenical delegates and the invitation from the RPCNA. And not only will that move up to Geneva College for next year, make it easier for you and our other Canadian brothers to attend Synod, but also um, it will free up Bon Clark and maybe be used by another denomination for their general assembly next year. Am I right? Yeah, in 2019, not next year, but 2019. Oh, yeah. That That is a possibility, and I don't want to, uh, yeah, steal anyone's thunder or anything, but that, there is a denomination considering that possibility. So that would be uh, a good good opportunity for us to show hospitality in that way as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if from what I understand, you had some matters, specific matters, before you all that carried over from last year. Are you able to tell us about them and elaborate on any resolution to any issues that were longstanding or outstanding or any changes in the news? I know there's some things, uh, well, I, I, won't, I won't name them. I'll just let you, let you take the question from there. Yeah, there were three or four. Uh, one of the things that's ongoing is a committee to revise our and clean up our Book of Discipline. The Book of Discipline been amended and and uh, changed over the years, and, and that process hasn't always been uh, with a, a careful eye to continuity. And so there there's some problems in our book of discipline. And so a committee was struck a couple of years ago to revise that book of discipline. They came back with a draft document for us to look at uh, to bring recommendations back to them for final. Uh, amendments, and then hopefully next synod will have a uh, a completed uh, and revised book of discipline that will be much more um, cohesive and uh, in line with our other constitutional documents. So we're looking forward to that. Another item that was brought back to this synod was a um, request by our Canadian presbytery to the synod to uh, look at the question of um, membership vows. We changed our our form of government a couple of years ago and, and the membership vows were altered slightly. And one of the alterations was that we went from a subscriptionist membership to a more broad and vague affirmation of, you know, this is what we believe as ARPs. And the Canadian Presbytery was asking for some clarification and if possible, a return to the former, what was called Vow 5, which actually asked new members to uh, subscribe to what they understood uh, within the Westminster Confessions. There was a, a, a clause there that 
allowed people to, to affirm it insofar as they understood it, understanding that our members aren't going to be theologians and they're, they're not going to have an exhaustive knowledge the way an elder or a minister would be required to in their subscription. But definitely a, a membership vow that differs from most denominations. That uh, was referred to our uh, Theological and Social Concerns Committee, and it was brought back with a report that was highly unsatisfactory. Uh, it, it contained errors of, of theology, history, and, and jurisprudence, and uh, it was referred back for study and, and revision unanimously, and there was no discussion on the subject. It was, there was an immediate motion to refer back, and that went back. So we're thankful for that. Uh, another, there was a discipline case that's been ongoing, and hopefully that's been resolved now. Um, that was dealt with by our um, Judicial Affairs Commission, and uh, I hope in a satisfactory way. Then also, um, there have been some attempts over the years. Uh, it's been ongoing for a decade or so now. Uh, dealing with our relationship with Erskine College and Seminary. Uh, it even got to the point of lawsuits at one point where the the synod was seeking to establish the fact that it was the, the parent organization, if you like, that the uh, college and seminary, although they, they have an independent uh, structure legally, that they're born out of our denomination and they are the trustees are appointed by our denomination and so they have a, a duty of of care toward the denomination and a responsibility to accurately reflect the theological positions of the denomination and that hadn't been happening and uh, so there have been some some struggles some presidents uh, hired and removed and uh, came to a surprising um, head this at this synod, uh, surprising for many of us, when uh, our new synod president, uh, Dr. Rob Gustafsson, uh, led a, a panel uh, on the uh, platform on to, before the synod and uh, stood up and acknowledged that uh, errors had been made in the past by the college and the the seminary and by the denomination, but taking responsibility for that and affirming that uh, the new leadership, both at the college and at the seminary, and his leadership overall, uh, were committed to working with the synod, to representing the uh, synod's understanding of what it is to be an evangelical Christian university, and Many of us were extremely encouraged, surprised and encouraged by this action. It hadn't been called for. It was uh, an action initiated by them and it was received with a, a thunderous round of applause at the end of their uh, time on the platform. The, the president and the dean of both the college and the seminary spoke to the issue and uh, there were some very... Um, positive statements made and affirmations made. We, we've had a relationship with the United States military training chaplains, which uh, involved us in, in working with Muslim and, and Buddhist, for instance, chaplains, which uh, the synod ordered the seminary to cease and desist. They did that, and uh, despite not renewing the contract officially, the enrollment of chaplains in our DMIN program has, has skyrocketed. So... Um, 
were, were encouraged by that. So there are a lot of positive things there. And I think that probably for most of us uh, was a highlight, if not the highlight of the Synod. It's an issue that, as I said, has been looming for a decade and, and becoming quite hot at some points. But uh, there was a definite uh, spirit of reconciliation there. And we're, we're very thankful for that. That's amazingly encouraging to hear, and and I had read a little bit about this. I wasn't present when uh, when the um, the Erskine officials took the stage and took the microphone and and publicly on behalf of the institutions repented. I mean, that's really the word that, that came to mind as I was reading the account of it. And I think um, I was reading one uh, one delegate who was there recounted the words of the provost from Erskine Seminary, Provost Leslie Holmes, saying something all along the lines of, if you're not reformed in your theological perspective, if you're not an inerrantist in your understanding of the Bible, and if you're not pro-ARP church, then you are not on the faculty of Erskine Seminary. I mean, to to read those words uh, with regards to Erskine um, is, is deeply encouraging. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see the direction of the school um, here on out. Absolutely. Uh, Les Holmes' statement, Dr. Holmes' statement was uh, earth-shaking, and uh, we're very excited to hear uh, that. We were very excited and continue to be, and uh, would ask your hearers to, to pray with us for the men who are working to that end and uh, to see that reformation. It, it's just a, another sign. They, the ARP has been moving in a more confessional, more um, subscriptionist reformed perspective uh, over the years. And that, that movement continues. Uh, we're thankful for that and uh, excited at what the Lord is doing amongst us. From what I could tell, um, and this was really highlighted for me when the seminarians stood up and were introduced, or I should say when the men who are under care of the ARP, of the various uh, presbyteries in the ARP, stood up and were introduced, including our own Martin Dendecker, who is um, who's one of our students here and also our on-site IT coordinator. And uh, right now I think he's in Canada for the summer, but we're looking forward to seeing him again in the fall. Right. But this this shift in the ARP, this even this pivot, we might say, toward a, a more confessional um, practice, faith and practice, Presbyterian faith and practice, I should say, is has been driven in large part by where ministers are coming from into the ARP. Absolutely. For for you know, both by transfer and also right out of seminary. And it brings to mind uh, a quote that that I've been highlighting of Dr. Piper's. This is from an old article Dr. Piper wrote called The Theological Seminary. But he wrote, I am involved in theological education at the seminary level because I believe that to a large degree the future of the Reformed seminary is the future of the Reformed church. If we are to see a blessing from God, there are certain things that we ought to be doing, and, and in the seminary, he means. And so it is very important that we think um, deeply about the mission of the seminary and also the uh, the practice of the seminary. And, um, you know, things that are going on at at, at the schools that serve the ARP, Greenville's is one of them, though certainly not the largest, um, I think are really shaping the denomination in a way that, 
you know, 30, 35 years ago would have been completely un, unpredicted or, or even unheard of. Yes, absolutely. I, I think the shift began um, 40 or so years ago when there were some men who came out of RTS Jackson who graduated there, who studied under Dr. Morton Smith and, uh, and others on the faculty there at the time. And they really began uh, this. They took the stand on the women's issue. They, they began uh, this work of reformation in the denomination and, and uh, really took a stand. And uh, now we're seeing that kind of leadership uh, from men who are graduates of Erskine, uh, but also uh, RTS and, and predominantly RTS Charlotte and uh, also uh, some Greenville men and some Westminster men. But definitely we're seeing the fruit of, of uh, men who've studied under uh, solid reformed uh, educators uh, who, who have shaped our denomination and who are standing up and being counted as churchmen, which is a, a really exciting thing to see. It is, it is. And uh, we will continue to pray for the ARP. I, um, I have them on my list of denominations and ministries that I pray for on a rotating basis. And I, I, I smile when I pray for the ARP because I know that good things are happening. And I, I trust that the Lord will continue to bring reformation and revival to her. And, um, and it's just very interesting to see that, that, that beeline from the seminary to the denomination where the what men are are learning in the classroom the equipment they're getting in the classroom the tools they're being given there are going to use in the courts of the church and in the congregations of the church and shaping the direction of at least this small denomination and you know we could pray the same for other denominations larger or smaller as well mm-hmm so Jeff, did you ha- did you have any concluding uh, remarks or observations you wanted to make before we closed up? I think you've given us a pretty good overview, but I, I want to give you the last word as far as what happened at at Synod. I am thankful for the way Synod uh, is conducted. I'm I'm thankful for the way that this past Synod went. Our our moderator uh, Lee Shelnut's a solid. Uh, confessional man and uh, has led in a number of ways uh, in encouraging directions. He's a, a, a pastor of a, a church, but he's also very involved in missions. And uh, again, our work among um, in different fields in, in a post-Christian Europe, in uh, Pakistan and, uh, and some other areas uh, was was highlighted and affirmed, and, and that's always good to see. We've we've had a Christian hospital and a Christian school system in Pakistan since the early 1900s, and that continues to to work there and continues to be a witness for Christ in that community. We're thankful for that, thankful for uh, opportunities, more and more opportunities across Europe as there's uh, immigrant and refugee populations that are uh, in many ways, just open to be reached. And uh, we hear a lot of unrest. We hear a lot of discouragement and a lot of, uh, you know, terror questions, but there are also opportunities for the gospel. And uh, Lee and the the Board of World Witness really highlighted the opportunities that uh, some of our, our mission staff in Europe are having in those communities. And we're very thankful for that. So that was encouraging. I, I 
am very thankful that for a small denomination, the ARP has been uh, punching above its weight in in Islamic missions for a long time. And uh, so very encouraged to, to see that continue as well. And next year, you all are meeting at Bun Clarkin again. That's because great. Because the, the Joint Synod will be the following year in 2019. So you'll, you'll be meeting at Bon Clark. And do you have the dates for that in front of you, Jeff, or no? Oh, I'm not sure that I do. It's the first week of June. It's always the first week of June. And the moderator is going to be ruling elder Philip Malfris, who is from Devonshire Road ARP here in Greenville. Am I right? That's correct. And it was uh, touching to see that he was... Uh, nominated by his son, who is a pastor in the ARP um, and the former vice moderator of our denomination. So it, it, you don't often get to see a son nominating his father to be the, the moderator of a denomination. And, it, uh, and there were a lot of uh, wet eyes at, uh, at Synod when that happened. That was a, a delight to see. And I'm looking forward to... Uh, Mr. Malfres's uh, leadership. He has the reputation of being a godly and, and gracious churchman. Well, that's good to hear. And I got to meet Patrick, his uh, his son there at Bun Clarkin. It's funny, you have to go, you know, an hour away to meet someone who lives 15 minutes down the road from you. Yes. But, um, you know, it was good to meet him as well as many other of the brothers there at Synod. So, Jeff, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking some time to debrief about Synod. I hope that this is encouraging to hear for those of you um, who are listening uh, to the podcast. I know it's encouraging to me. It was a blessing to be there for a morning. And uh, please continue to pray for the ARP. You know, I'm going to say this at the end of all of our debriefing sessions, uh, uh, an exhortation to pray for the courts of the church, um, where where really the, the business of the church is conducted, but also where God, God honoring, hopefully God honoring worship is going forth. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. And um, Thank brother, you, have a great day. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.